time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. It is Monday, November 29th. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving holiday. You'll, I apologize in advance for hearing me coughing away a little bit in here. Caught a uh, nasty little cold that just sucked all the energy out of me and my appetite. So I actually lost weight over this Thanksgiving holiday. I think that's the first, but I'm going to be still overcoming it. Fortunately, I shared the cold with my wife, the cook, after Thanksgiving. So still had some great food. And uh, now she's dealing with what I've got. So hope you're all feeling well and healthy and everywhere that this latest strain of COVID is not coming your way. We're going to see what it's done to the market. Talk a little bit later to, to Matt and get his perspective on it. I'm sure Les will have something to say as well about it. But we're excited to have you here. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. Correct me if I'm wrong. Let me know. I think we're the only live podcast in the industry in the nation. There's a lot of great podcasts out there, and I encourage you to check out all the podcasts over at industrysyndicate.com. But we're the only live one. We're the first and the only still producing that. Of course, you listen to it on a download basis. But again, our commitment is to bring you a timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime, anywhere. We're always grateful for our live listeners and the feedback I'm getting. You can text me at 512-632-2900 if you want to send me feedback as you're listening or put in questions. That's always great. Also, I have LinkedIn messages up. You can send messages via LinkedIn. Send it to David Lickin. Anyway, looking forward to it and getting into this podcast. We've got a special hot topic segment. Brent Emler, my dear buddy, Brent Emler, who is with Velma for years, now is Director of Sales at Lender Toolkit. And he is here with a special guest, Barry Rogers, who is SVP of Strategic Planning at Lennar Mortgage. Very excited to have both of them on the podcast, especially with Terry. I mean, we always love having Brent on, and um, he is going to be sharing a perspective of what Lender Toolkit focusing on, some of the solutions they're bringing. But I'm really interested in Terry's perspective because as SVP of Strategic Planning, and they've got a really successful digital mortgage initiative going on. And so how does this fit in? What's your vision? How does Lenders Toolkit fit into that? And we're going to be talking more about that in the Hot Topics segment. So stay tuned to the rest of the podcast. We're grateful to have you here. So let's say a special thank you to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America, as well as Finastra Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution. Now you can tap into the robust features such as user-defined groups for processors, underwriters, closers, and rely on automated email notifications for various stages of the loan process. Check out all the features and get real-time pipeline information. A lot of that's in some of the other systems, but the way they go about it, Finaster is a bit unique. I encourage you to check them out. Go listen to the podcast we recorded with Karen Jenkins on October 4th, talking about strategic vision and the overall user experience as well as customer experience, UX and CX, which is so critical. And a lot of the focus at Finaster is also their open architecture which is very interesting and in how they are making interfaces work so successfully and a big part of their recent growth. Anyway, Lenders One, also Mortgage Collaborative. These two co-ops do a great job of helping lenders and vendors like ourselves 
We're members of both of these, and we're so thrilled with what the results we get out of these. There's great reason to be a part of one or about both of these. We're a part of both of them. More and more people are becoming members of both because of the uniqueness of the two. But they do uh, operate in basically the same space but have slightly different focuses and programs. So check out Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative. Thrilled to have them as sponsors as well as the Community Mortgage Lenders of America as well as Accelerate. Josh Friend does a great job over there helping with his CRM solution in the engagement platform. Looking forward to having Josh back on and talking about that. Check out his podcast from June as well as Knowledge Group, Ken Perry and the Learning Management System there at Knowledge Group does a great job of helping you educate your people and keeping them current and all that's going on, as well as Mobility, MMI, and Modex. We had Modex on last week with Dale Larson's, Dale the Third and Dale Jr. on last week talking about how powerful Modex can be and this technology that's there. I love the feedback we're getting regarding artificial intelligence on the predictability of a loan officer. That was some comments that they made that really caught a lot of people's attention. Imagine that, having artificial intelligence predictive model on how long a loan officer will stay and how successful it'll be. Check out both Mobility MMI as well as Modex for all the solutions they provide. Also thrilled to have SnapDocs as one of our sponsors. They do a great job of helping on the digital mortgage experience. If you haven't checked them out, be sure to do so. Also listen to Michelle Rana, who was our guest on September 13th. Some exciting stuff going on over there. As well as Success Kit, everyone notices how your customer referrals can close more business than anything else. We recently signed up with Success Kit. And if you're a vendor or a lender and you're wanting testimonials on your website or just have some material created for your marketing material to support your marketing effort, you need to check out Success Kit. I have been thrilled with what they've done for us on our consulting business, and I'm sure they'll do the same for you. Julian does an amazing job of creating uh, just really compelling content, drawing it out of people. Check them out, successkit.com, as well as now Lenders Toolkit is the newest one of our newest sponsors, so thrilled to have them as a sponsor and on today's show. Special thank you goes out to Rob, Les, Alice, Alan, Matt, and Jack for their contributions each and every week to the podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Licking and Lending Hot Topics segment. I'm excited to have a dear old friend of mine, Fred Embler, <laughs> Director of Sales at Lender Toolkit. And joining him will be Kerry Rogers, Senior Vice President of Strategic Planning at Lennar Mortgage. Very excited about that, especially in light of some of Alan's comments here, getting a perspective. But Brent, it's good to have you back. We'll let you introduce Kerry in just a minute, explain why you've invited her to the podcast. But it's good to have you back, friend. Appreciate you. Thanks, David. Yeah, thanks. I, and that, that was a, a really great setup. Thank you, Alan, for sharing some of the information from the article that Stratmore put out uh, recently. It's interesting to hear there's no correlation between spending uh, on technology and lowering fulfillment costs. I think I would submit that lenders haven't invested in the right technology, or at least not focused on the right technology, and they haven't fully committed to that technology. And I think we'll see through this hot topic discussion that that's the case. So, David, oh, a little bit about where I come from. I was with Velma for several yep. years. Well, They're uh, a sponsor of your well, show. They're a CRM and marketing company. And, and what I was seeing, David, was that marketing and CRM was really becoming commoditized. And I think this speaks to, to Alan's point. It was being commoditized. It wasn't 
being adopted and it wasn't being something that, that lenders were really focused on, right? They would go out and buy the CRM technology and cross their fingers and hope that it would make a difference in their business, right? And I remember reading through Dave Savage's Facebook group from Mortgage Coach and all the time we would talk about from top producers, the question would be, what's the best CRM out there? And the answer is the one that you use, right? And so <laughs> yeah. it's not just about investing in technology, it's about actually yes. using the technology yes. and really incorporating it into your business. And speaking of Stratmore, I remember in about 2017, I was watching a, a presentation by Garth over at Stratmore and he was talking about exactly what Alan just mentioned, and that's the technology spending is going up and profitability is going down. It's not supposed to work that way when you mm. invest in technology. And, and, and even in 2018, as you remember, David, profitability was so bad. I remember listening to a podcast where the host was joking about terminating their top producer because they were losing money on every deal. And obviously that was a joke, but every joke is grounded in some measure of, of reality. And so being in the CRM space, I had a lot of exposure to point of sale. And I, I always found it really remarkable that so much money was being spent on POS and CRM and the cost mm -hmm. to produce a loan was increasing. And that kind of came full circle for me. I, I was Still with Velma in 2019, and, and we partnered with Lender Toolkit to develop an ECOA automation solution. Uh, it's a really terrific solution, and I started talking yeah. to compliance and operations folks, and that's when I realized I, I, now I see why margins are compressing and why technology spend is going up. All this investment in loan officer-focused software is great at enabling sales velocity, but without optimizing the manufacturing process, all you're doing so, is just adding overhead, right? Yep, it's so true. That's um, a great point. It, it really is. So, so when I saw what Lender Toolkit was doing with the end-to-end -end automations for mortgage manufacturing, I really I jumped at, at being a part of that. I wanted to be a part of delivering digital mortgage transformations to lenders all over the country. And, and we really want to bring the passion POS companies brought to originations to the manufacturing process. And investing in operations, it's, it's not as, I guess, as sexy, I guess, if you will. Marketing and sales-focused investments, it's fun, right? It's more applications, recruiting more branches, more customers. And the manufacturing process may not be as fun to invest in, but when it's done right, I mean, there's nothing better than being profitable, having happy customers, happy employees. So that's why we're really excited to work with Lenar and Carrie and her team on projects like task-based workflows. And so I'd really like to hear from Carrie and really excited to have her here with us. Yeah, Laura Escobar is a great leader there. So many great leaders. And Carrie, I'm not surprised you're there and uh, doing so well. Good to have you on the yep. podcast, Carrie. Good to have you here. Thanks, David. I'm happy to be here. At this, so our audience could get a chance to get to know you a little bit, a little bit about yourself and your background. Love to hear about sure. it. Sure. Yeah. Well, since we keep talking about Garth, I'm going to talk about him a little bit more because <laughs> back in the 90s, I've been in, this is actually my 30th year in the industry. I was born and raised in the industry with parents who were in the industry. And back okay. in the 90s, I was at a company, many of you probably remember, Mortgage.com. I worked very closely with Garth Graham. We were, he ran the call center and I ran all the technology applications and and workflows and, and working with operations and training there. So we worked really close together for many, many years. And the current CIO at Lenar Financial Services, Tom Moreno, was with us on that journey as well back yep. in the 90s. We were a bit ahead of our time back then. So we, we had our own proprietary loan origination system. And I'm just a geek when it comes to that stuff. So I was in the middle of it. And I've had some great mentors in my career who've kind of brought me along this really 
diverse path that I've had. I've spent time in, obviously, in operations, in production. Mm -hmm. I was an AE for many years and ran a a larger mid-sized mortgage operations for a while. I've worked at Fiserv. And most recently, before coming to to Lenar Mortgage, I was with Ice Mortgage Technology for six years, working in their professional services department. So I've had some really great exposure to many different companies and many different ways of tackling some of the challenges in our industry, some unique perspective on workflow and and use of our talent that we have available to us. So, yeah, I mean, this is the stuff I'm passionate about. So I'm happy to talk about it today. Well, I'm excited to have you here. And I want to get right into talking about what's driving Lenar's desire for change and automation, Carrie. I know you're strategic planning, so that's just part of your role. Give us a little insight. Sure. So really for us, our automation, it has to tie back to two of our core goals. It's our customer experience, quality of our loans, and it has to drive those aspects for us. Otherwise, the automation doesn't necessarily make sense. We have customers, obviously, who are obtaining financing from us. We also have Lenar as a home builder, and we have all of our associates who work for us, and they're very important. Those are our customers. Our industry is really challenged. Like, we have to do a lot more with less. Sometimes the volume that we have to deal with is just astounding, and It's overwhelming, and it's really difficult to sort of take it all and dissect it into something that you can find value from, right? Like, how do you automate something when there's just this much going on? And it's been interesting. So we've been able to focus on, let's just say, the low-hanging fruit first. Like, there's a lot of things that can be automated that don't take away from the expertise of the talent that we have. It's things that help them. It complements their job. Mm -hmm. It becomes like their digital assistant. Right. So we have different, whether we're using RPA to take away the extra steps to generate and send the the closing document. Sometimes that could take between three to 10 minutes, depending on how complicated it is. And we have some RPA go in behind our closers and do that for them. We have different things that we focused on where we could eliminate our onshore staff and, and train them up to work on the things that keep them focused on building their careers and becoming more talented in the industry versus just clicking the same button over and over again. It's the stare and compare and checking the checker. Yeah. So we really had to focus on eliminating that because that's what people don't want to do. People want to learn and they want to grow. Really just focusing on the easy stuff first, which we've pretty much done. So now we're moving into a little bit more challenging sort of automation, which we can talk about a little bit, what we're doing with Lender Toolkit as well. Yeah, we definitely focus on our associates and their experience. Very good. Jack, let's get over to you for a question. Sure, David. This is really for Brent. Is Lender Toolkit seeing the same desire for change and automation in the industry? Yeah, yeah, we are uh, seeing the same desire for change and, and automation at a high level. I think everybody knows the next round of advancements are, are going to require a deeper level of commitment, and, and Carrie just just touched on it. The first round of digital mortgage was, you know, it was implementing a new way of collecting the application, or maybe eliminating a few of the button clicks, those, those types of things, and those are very important. But for the next round of digital mortgage transformation and adopting a culture of automation from not just the application, but automating disclosures, automating underwriting, post delivery, tasks, how is tasking done within your organization? That 
really does require a fundamental shift in the way a mortgage is, is manufactured. We use the term digital mortgage transformation, and it's more than, than just technology. It requires specialization in employee roles. It requires increased levels of accountability, deeper metrics, not just how many applications are we getting. It requires clean lines of communication. And so in general, I would say there is a desire for change. But I think it's somewhat mitigated by the changing market. And I know that everyone knows there's an opportunity to improve, but taking the leap to transform your business is tough. And that's why having that really strong leadership, David, you mentioned Laura Escobar at yeah. Lenar, and that's strong leadership and, and Carrie is a strong leader and, and having that and having that clear focus is, is really where the rubber hits the road. That's so true. Alice, let's get over to you. Yeah, so just kind of taking a look here, you listed off quite a few challenges that lenders are facing. All of them seem really big as you list through all that. What do you think is the number one? If you have to bring it down to something that's easy and simple, I think number one, you can learn lessons by automating the simple things first. The things that are black and white, right? I mean, whether it's pulling a single merge credit report and automatically upgrading it or automating when your flood cert pulls, the different things that eliminate those button clicks, I think are the low lying fruit that lenders can benefit from. They can find a very clear ROI by doing it. And the industry has already mastered most of those types of easier automation, you know, tools. And there's a lot of resources out there who can help do that without taking away a lot of time and resources from the leadership and technology team to do that. So I think those are the easy ones to go in and get your feet wet. And as you start to find your flow and your groove for the time that it takes to do that, then you can move into a little bit more complicated type of automation. I will also say, though, that your workflow has to be precise because when you, when you automate, adoption is the key. And, and adoption has to work with the workflow. Because if the workflow is not aligned, then the technology mm-hmm. fails, and then you start to lose confidence, and then you have adoption problems. And that's a whole other probably podcast we could have. It really is one of the most important factors. And that's one where so many people stumble over. Alice, remember when you guys were launching the Correspondent Division? We were talked about this numerous times. What's the process? For, I mean, you asked me, called me on almost a daily basis there for a while, getting thoughts about what's the process? What are you seeing the best practices working? And I think the biggest challenge most people have is they don't want to face that because many in our industry have been doing it a particular way and they do not want you rocking their world and saying, we're going to suggest a different process. No, I've been doing this for 30 some years. I'm not going to change my process. You can all change, but I'm not. I'm staying with this. How have you overcome that? That's such a great question, David, because that is like the thing that I preach every day, whether I'm trying to align with my other team members or our leadership team and drive us forward, that is the key. Our industry has a lack of talent. We have a lack of new new blood coming into the industry. And it's so difficult to bring someone in and teach them this whole job. Like, here, be a processor. To Mm -hmm. be a good processor, years, and it takes mentorship, and it takes a lot of hands-on experience, and we can't do that quickly. Our industry is bad, and the reason we're bad around doing that is because we haven't changed. We don't want to change the process. So Mm. what we're working on with Lenses Toolkit, and it's so key to our growth, and I think the industry's growth, is to be able to go into a manufacturing task-based workflow where we can easily tell people what they need to do, 
when they need to do it, and how to do it. So our new talent coming in or people who are looking to excel their career can master tasks versus an entire job role. So even though we don't want to change, we almost have to. We have to disrupt. Yeah, that's so true. You're talking a language that is so one of the favorite uh, topics with Jack Nunnery. And uh, Jack, when you launched your correspond division there, I had the privilege of working with you on that. And boy, this was the absolute topic. Such an important one. Absolutely, David. But just we had an opportunity to embrace some of the better technology that was in the market in 2015 as we built and launched our correspondent lending program during that time frame. I remember that so well. And you started, we want creating a greenfield experience, and then you just really drilled into that so much. Let's get over to Alan. Alan Pollock, good to have you on the podcast joining in as you listen to this discussion. What questions might you have here, friend? Especially from a vendor's perspective. I love that. From a vendor's perspective, well, I mean, every vendor has challenges, and I think the big thing is trying to sell automated solutions, right? We talked about this earlier, your technology spend and how you get value. I think they have to invest in technology, but they've got to adopt it and implement it. So anyways, what do you think the biggest challenge would be when vendors face selling automated solutions? From my perspective, having the background that I have, there was always dollars to spend on sales-focused technology, right? CRM, POS, those dollars were always there. And so now that I'm in with Lender Toolkit, I'm in the, the manufacturing space, helping the executives see the value of focusing on operations, I think is really, really important. We have to ask them, to explore why are my manufacturing costs so high? Where are the improvements that can be made? Let me give you a couple of examples. And, and this is in no way supposed to be a you know shameless plug. There's a lot of automation solutions out there. I just know our customers' experience, so I'll speak from that perspective. We did a case study recently for one of our customers. They're doing 1,300 loans a month. They have 14 underwriters. Okay. I talked to a prospective customer last week. They do about the same number of loans. They have underwriters. That's $250 in profitability oh. loss on every loan. All right. Mm. And said another way, that's $4 million a year. So that's why I would push back on there's no correlation between technology investment and fulfillment costs, right? Commitment periods is, a, is another area that, that's wildly different depending on the, the lender you ask. The case study we did, the, our customer is using our end-to-end -end automation. They're doing three-day commitments versus other lenders that don't have the automation. They're doing 10 and 14-day commitments. So that's another million, million and a half in profitability. So the best news is we don't have this existential debate about the viability of a mortgage operation. Any lender in the country that's in operations, you can look anywhere around your, your business and you can see opportunity for improvement and optimizing the manufacturing process. And so really starting with a sales process that's focused on a vision, a digital mortgage transformation or whatever your vision is as the vendor, starting with that and focusing on that. And don't worry about selling the product. That'll come naturally. We have to help them, the executives, 
picture their business in a future state, a state of a digital mortgage transformation state. And then I think the last thing is really resource constraints, really helping lenders to work through the resource constraints. Carrie said it very well. We've got a lack of talent in the industry, Mm -hmm. and so you can only do so many things when it comes to technology. So I would ask executives to look at what you're prioritizing. Do you have a technology roadmap? Are you sticking to the roadmap? Are you getting sidetracked by the fire of the day? Maybe finally, what are your guiding principles for your technology roadmap? Are you letting one transaction from a top producer take you completely off track? Such an easy temptation. Such a big challenge. Really, really easy. Yeah, David. A shameless plug for for TMS advisors, but everything that you just mentioned is the reason why sometimes an outside resource is the best person to bring in to help drive those technology projects because Mm -hmm. they are not seeing squirrels and chasing birds. (laughs) They are focused on delivering a project and the timeline and doing whatever it is they need to do to get those people aligned. It's really so important that once you start one of these projects that you continue with them. Alice, if we could jump in here real quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I love the conversation. And and so, Carrie, you started to talk about this task-based approach for mm-hmm. how to bring people in. How has technology played a role uh, in that aspect in making it easier to expand your operation? So we take in a couple different approaches. We do have a pretty robust offshore team, which we rely on, and they're amazing. And they're very, very flexible with us. And so when we find an opportunity for them to onboard a new task, they really focus on tasks for us today. So if we have an opportunity or we have a a quality problem and we can find a way to fix it with that team, we initially start with that team sort of mastering that task. And then if we can identify the clear path to automate that task. Mm -hmm. We then take the next step to automate the task, right? And then we'll give something new to our offshore team to work on next. So we're probably about a third task base when it comes to our end-to-end process. And that's worked really well for us. I think the biggest challenge is that we've had a, a difficult time with the technology that's available today to manage those tasks and to really just uncover the data that surrounds those tasks. We, we do make it work, but it's not easy, and it takes some pretty talented resources to sort of corral and, and wrangle all those chaos that could happen when you have multiple people working on one loan. So we've learned a lot from that over the last couple of years with being somewhat task-based, and we're taking what's worked for us, and we're applying that. We're partnering with Lender Toolkit. We're using ICE's task-based workflow technology, their workflow automation as well, and we're building out our layers of tasks that support our process from initial submission from our loan officers all the way through up to the post-closing process. And we're breaking it down using simplified logic initially. We'll call that phase one and phase two, right? Simplified logic, when things need to happen, who needs to happen by, right? What's going to trigger it? And what data needs to be updated if that task is complete? So we're biting this off in small chunks. We're starting real simplified at the top and we're working to make sure that the tool that's built to help us manage this, and we're partnering with LTK on that, is really, really geared towards mm-hmm. transparency, right? We want everyone to be able to see exactly what has to be done, exactly what has been done, and we don't need a lot of reports and different screens and different places to go to see if something's been received or completed. So that's been a really fun journey. We're actually going to be going into our pilot very, very soon on that. 
And while we do that, right, we're getting more and more granular as we nail down those workflow pieces that can be standardized through advanced logic. So, you know, using advanced logic and data, getting data off of documents, getting data off of the XML files from all of our services, the data is what's going to drive the activities and the workflow. Our industry, our resources, our talent, they spend so much time every day trying to figure out what should I work on first. But that's what we spend a lot of money on, and we actually don't realize how much we spend on people trying to figure out what's the priority, what should I do, what should I work on, especially in our business because you know, we have a long build-out time. We're building homes. They're not done in 30 or 45 days, so it can become a little overwhelming when you have such a large pipeline. So we're really trying to focus on the efficiency for our associates and the data to make sure that we're managing mm-hmm. and providing the best customer service to our customers. At the same time, I really think that there's a lot of different paths that everyone can go down to kind of find their happy spot when it comes to task-based workflow. But I think in order to really achieve that, you have to have the right technology in place. And that is one of those areas where we can't just figure out an outside way to do it. We really have to have it integrated into the day-to-day workflow of all of our associates. What are you seeing as far as the trend? Are people looking more away from offshoring to technology like Lenders Toolkit? Or is this still a balance between the two? That's a great question. I think from a resource perspective on the operational level, I think it's balanced. And I think it has to stay balanced. We try to be very smart about who we use for what and what the risk is in the right balance as well, right, when it comes Mm -hmm. to having offshore partners versus onshore. Using COVID as an example, everybody was shut down and working remotely in a different country is not as easy as working remotely in the United States. So there's a lot of challenges, things we never thought we would have to deal with, right, in our lifetime, Mm -hmm. not necessarily something that we planned for, but we got through it and we made it work. But at the same time, you learn some lessons about that balance. So I, I think that from a vendor perspective, we have a lot of really, really innovative and cutting edge technologies coming available to us. It's probably a little bit overwhelming. Sometimes I spend a lot of time in demos and picking apart what somebody is trying to to pitch us on, and I could do that pretty quickly because I've just been on the vendor side for so long. So there is a lot, and I think lenders in general and leadership get overwhelmed by the amount of vendors coming at them at one time, and most of them are trying to solve, like, one specific thing, which I think – Alan talked about earlier. If you're going to put an investment into a product that is going to just solve one problem, maybe your initial underwrite, and it's only going to work for 40% of your loans, is that the highest and best use of your investment? It might not be. It all comes back down to doing your homework and really establishing the ROI and sticking to it. Because if you don't know what that is, then why are you doing it? You need to know exactly what you're going to get out of it exactly how many loans it's going to work for, work for, how many people can you move on to a better position or role because you've created this new thing. You have to dig into those details. That's so true. Alan, I know we've talked a lot about this topic before. Jump in here, please. I just texted you, David, fear of missing out, right? All the other mortgage origination shops have this great technology, and I either have something that I, I did before the better technology came out or how come I'm not automating income calculations, right? And it's, mm-hmm. it's really interesting how that whole concept works. And you're right on. I mean, you've, you've got to own and drive it over the, the goal line into the end zone in order to 
to succeed at these projects before you take on the next one. Which really gets to the last question I wanted to ask is what are some of the intangible benefits leaders gain from adopting a culture of change and automation? Carrie, let's start with you on that. It's a challenge. We actually have recently put through a lot of our leadership team and a lot of our technology team through uh, ProSci practitioner and sponsorship training. And it's, I think what we learn through going through any type of change management course is that we think we know change management because we're leaders or because we've been doing this for so long. And there's so many fundamental things when it comes to change that we just glaze over. Mm-hmm. Like, do people, are they aware? And do they actually have the desire to use the new technology? Because if they don't, we're not going to get adoption. It's literally impossible. Yeah. So it's something that, that, again, you have to plan for that. You have to bake that into your project and have a real strategic approach to how you're going to make people aware, how you're going to make them want to do something, right, and how you're going to get them to adopt it. And if they're not adopting it, what tools do you have to get them to adopt it. And sometimes right. it's, it's different depending on what the technology is or what the yeah. workflow changes. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, as leaders, if we can't master adoption and we can't bring the rest of the industry with us into this new way that we all think and where we're going, because they're just there day to day, right, just trying to get it done, then that's where yeah. we're failing. Like We have to find a way to penetrate everyone and get them excited about where we could go as an industry and how it's going to change their goals and their career path and how they're going to excel. So it's all about creating awareness and desire, truly. Yeah, it really comes down to leadership. Brent, when you see people struggling with the intangible benefits of this and struggling with change automation, what's your perspective as a vendor on this? Yeah, I, I, I would echo what you've already said. The workplace, it, it's evolved, not just because of the pandemic, but because workers, they have an evolving attitude about what a job should be and what it shouldn't be. A lot of new workers, they're millennials, and they approach a role and a company with really well-defined sets of expectations. They want their work to have meaning and purpose, Mm -hmm. right? And so constantly putting out fires, triple-checking someone's work, stare-and-compare activities, none of that's meaningful. It's just not meaningful work. And we don't want to do that as workers. So leveraging technology allows lenders to create well-defined and meaningful roles. Communication is also a key benefit of adding technology and streamlining your workflows and having normal processes. I was reading a study, it was a Gallup study, and there were some really amazing stats in there. 69% of employees would be less likely to quit if their company was more effective at communicating. 85% consider effective communication and employee benefit. 90% of employees say good company communication is a key to a positive working environment. So again, technology, automation, normalized process, clearly defined roles, all of that improves communication and it it leads to retention. But it all comes back to really just having that strong leadership and and having that culture of change. I think that's where the biggest challenge with many leaders is afraid to take on the headwinds of strong people who may have had great success and are just resistant. And I think so much of it is, is just having that strong personality and an insistence about you. But as your final thoughts on this, any final questions for Carrie or Brent, Jack? 
Actually, I've got a final question for Brett, and I've so enjoyed this podcast. But years ago, an owner of a loan origination system software company and I were having a conversation, and he made a comment. He said, people that purchase my software onboard it, it, it's so often analogous to somebody buying a Ferrari and then driving mm-hmm. it at 35 miles an hour, that they never really tap the power of the software. And so, Brent, my question to you in the universe of Lender Toolkit, do you guys help the, the lender maximize what the software really could allow them to do as opposed to just implementing it, getting into it, and three years later, you're doing the same thing. So does Lender Toolkit help a lender optimize the value of the software? We do. And, and I think that's the thing that I really enjoy about this environment so much. We have dozens of system LOS system administrators, some of the best in the country. So we mm-hmm. deeply understand the the organization, how the organization operates, the challenges, the opportunities, deeply understanding that world and, and the customer's world really allows us to bring our expertise and by bringing our expertise and and the lender trusting us that these guys know what they're talking about really helps us deeply implement the software as opposed to we see a lot of new vendors come into the market and everybody's so enamored with oh these guys got 12 million dollars in in funding these guys got 50 million dollars in funding they must know what they're doing or this vendor's working with this large lender so they must know what they're doing. I think that there's a trap there that lenders can get into where they're just sort of lemmings and they're jumping over the cliff because somebody else jumped over the cliff as opposed to really evaluating the vendors, not just their technology, but then that organization to be able to effectively bring the change that you're expecting from the automation solutions. Yeah, that's always a challenge. Carrie, we'll let you wrap up this interview. How in the heck do you get all this to be accomplished at Lennar? There's so many questions that are coming in from so many people. So we definitely have to have you back here. That's that's number one. You're welcome. I would love to. And I'm, I'm happy to talk about this because it's what I eat, breathe, and sleep, and it's what I do every day. And when you ask how, it's because I'm constantly thinking about how we're going to get there. And there's just this amazing group of leaders and individuals and having a president like Laura Escobar, who's all about paving the way. She completely embraces change. We have the ability and we have the desire to do this. And that's why I came to work here because I could do this a lot of different places, but I really wanted it to do somewhere where everybody was on board. And that's probably the key. How do you do it? Everybody has to be on board. There's been countless discussions about what is this task-based workflow? How are we going to know what to do? What does it look like, right? Trying Mm -hmm. to explain the vision, the benefits, and the strategy, and the ROI, repeat it, document it, show it, display it, repeat it. So constantly getting everyone looking at the same goal, the same target, when not going off somewhere to the side, that's really what I spend my energy on. And the team at Lennar, on the mortgage team, our LFS team, they're the ones who get the job done. I just help make sure they understand where we're going and why we're going there and what's going to work and what's going to make us maybe get a little off course and go back to the old way of doing things and, and challenging them to think about 
those speed bumps that could come along the way because not everything fits into this perfect world of where we're trying to go with automation. Some things are really hard to automate and some things we just can't. And we, we identify, well, what's the best way to use our people to do this task? So just making sure we're all aligned. And something you said earlier really rang true, and that is, what is the return we're going to have on this? Is it a 60% return? Is this meaning 60% of these out there, 30% or 90%? And I think it's evaluating that, which will also be a mm-hmm. great compass to setting your priorities. Wow, this has been a great – it just always goes so fast. Carrie Rogers, Senior Vice President of Strategic Planning, has been our guest with Lennar Holmes, along with Brent Embler, who is a Director of Sales at Lender Toolkit. Brent, Carrie, thank you so much for both being here. Great discussion today. Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Next week, we've got Odetta Krishik coming in from First American. I met Odetta going down the escalator at the conference after the um, Empower event and just struck up a conversation with her. I was so impressed with her and her comments. She is the Deputy Chief Economist at First American. So I've invited her to come out of the podcast and share what she sees coming up as we look into the new year. We'll get some new perspective on that. Looking forward to having Odette join us, so be sure to come back here next week. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, CMLA, Lenders One, Accelerate, Mobility MMI, Modex, the MBA, Knowledge Coop, the Mortgage Collaborative, SnapDoc, Success Kit, and Lenders Toolkit, our special guest today. Good to have you with us, everybody. Have a great week and look forward to seeing you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.